Can psychology help us understand the modern failure of religion? Welcome to The Monday Muse, I'm Lee Benson. Remember to please like, comment, share, subscribe, leave a review, do all the things. Help me to fight the algorithm gods. Also, you can ask me a question and I will answer it on the podcast. You can ask me by emailing me at basicallyrelatedpodcast.gmail.com. Also, I would like to hear your thoughts about today's topic. So please let me know what you think about today's topic in the comments below. We are continuing our discussion on some subject matters that are raised in Father Victor White's book, Soul and Psyche. And today's topic is the failure of religion. So let's dive in and define some terms. So Father Victor White defines the failure of religion in a few ways. One, he says that it could be the alienation of vast numbers of people from any sort of recognized practice of religion, be that public or private. He also says it could be defined as the lapse or loss of faith from a considerable number of adolescents or young people, and even young people who have had religious education either at home or at church or in a private school. He says there's something sort of disturbing for the religious person. And that's when they look out at all these people who have left the practice of religion. They see that there are many people who seem to do quite nicely without religion. What do we make of that? And he says that we can turn towards the contributions of depth psychology that might help us understand some of the problem. Why are people moving away from religion? What are some of the causes? And why is it that some appear to do nicely without it? Father White says that depth psychologists are primarily concerned with people who have estranged themselves from religious practice and profession and the ways in which they go on to cope with these problems, with the breakdown of religion, how they cope with them in different ways, and also the idea that there's something psychologically helpful or healthy for the individual when they practice some sort of religion. And he says that the findings of depth psychology of course, do not permit us to say anything dogmatic or definite, but it does give us some avenues to consider and to help us understand the problem of the loss of religion. So the first factor we can consider in the failure of religion is a failure of the will or a moral failure. And Father White says this view is that people who lapse or lose faith and abandon you know, religious devotion, they do so because of a fault of their own, that it is a choice of their own that they fail to make religion something mature or they fail to devote themselves to religion. Father White includes in this people who are regular churchgoers, people who appear to make religion a part of their lives, but really what they've done is they've decompartmentalized religion, that they've made religion something they do on Sundays, but that's about it. Father White realizes that this breakdown of religion as a moral failure is something to take seriously. He calls it the Luciferian non-servium, which is, I will not serve, which is what many church fathers attribute to Satan, what Satan said to God, I will not serve. And Father White says this is a powerful impulse, and it cannot be denied that irreligion or lapses in faith can, be, can come down to this, that can come down to a moral failure of the will. But for Father White, while that is a real consideration, that perhaps people move away from religion because of this Luciferian impulse. He says that there might be something deeper going on here. 
and that's why he turns to depth psychology. Perhaps there's a, a, a more profound reason, one that's not on the surface as to why people leave. It's easy to look at people who walk away from religion and say they did so because of this Luciferian impulse. They did so because they failed to make a, a good moral act of the will, or they failed to make religion their own because they, they weren't mature enough or they weren't serious enough. But as Father White notes, there is a difficult transformation that sometimes takes place in the individual. And it's the transformation from the magical attitude, he says, of childhood to the more adult or serious version of religion. That the religious attitude that is demanded of adults is hard to shift to because children are raised in a more magical understanding of religion and of God. And therefore, when they are asked to make a serious commitment to faith, they are unable to do so. Father White notes that the possibility of irreligion, the possibility of walking away from religion, of not serving, must be faced and considered before religion can be considered a, a voluntary choice or before the, the choice can come into being. And so this is the, the tough transition between childhood and the, the magical attitude of the child and the more serious adult attitude towards religion is that the, the possibility of walking away from religion is offered to you. And once one makes religion their own, then it comes into to true being. He goes on to say that in many cases, it seems that there has been no moral failure of the will because there really hasn't been a moral choice arisen in the individual at all. It seems that for most individuals, they have a choice between either kind of a continuation of a, a magical understanding of God and religion and a, a childish understanding. And this is often reinforced by kind of a collective attitude of the family and the church and adults that as the individual grows up, they realize that this isn't, this isn't matching with reality, that their, their magical understanding of the world is outgrown by a more mature understanding of the world. Or on the other hand, it's an abandonment of the whole of religion altogether. They either continue in a childish understanding of religion, which seems to conflict with what they understand about the world, or they just have to abandon it. So either way, you're, you're living either in, in the abandonment of religion or in sort of a naive vision of the world. Of course, Father White notes that religion or irreligion, the abandonment of religion, is not wholly a matter of the will or faith and unfaith. Because he highlights very appropriately that the will cannot operate in a void, that in the field of volition is actually limited by the field of cognition. So the will wills an object. It, in order for the will to operate, it has to have an object. Likewise, faith doesn't operate in a void. Faith, from a theological standpoint, is aimed at or mediated by the images and symbols that we have of God. That in some sense, faith is aimed at the, the image that we have of God in our minds. So if we have the wrong symbols, then we get the wrong picture of God. Because faith is a theological virtue whose object is God, and God is the ultimate reality that is unknown and unseen, then God can only be mediated in some ways in what can be seen and what can be known. And what can be seen and what can be known is you know, the content of faith 
mediated by and expressed in images and symbols. Father White says that we should not lightly charge with deliberate unbelief or disbelief or loss of faith people who have childish images of God that no longer correspond to reality or the responsibilities and demands of life. So in his estimation, people have not necessarily willfully abandoned faith, you know, the true faith, as he calls it, the prima veritas, the ultimate truth. On the contrary, it seems as though people come to a crossroads and that it's in fact loyalty to truth that makes them abandon these presentations that they've been given in childhood. He says, in Thomistic terms, the will falls upon intellectual apprehension. What is not intellectually apprehended is outside the range of the will, of choice and personal decision. Intellectual apprehension is also true of images, that what is not imagined is not apprehended, so consequently not capable of being willed, of being an object of choice or desire. Father White is careful to go on to define what he means by religious images and religious symbols. And he says that by religious images, we mean to understand not only painted and sculpted images, but also images of the divine evoked by myth, story, hymn, doctrine, and so on. By religious forms, we mean all those activities by which we express our attitude towards God. Here, psychology can help us, particularly, again, Jung's psychology. It can help us understand how images work in our psyche. So he says that Jung has shown us that images are necessary for both psychological functioning as well as religion. And these images, at times, can also be harmful. If misused, the images hurt the psyche. And he says this happens when images cease to be a symbol. Symbols for Jung are, are things that are partly known, partly un- unknown. As I've talked about on a Monday Muse before, symbolo is where it comes, is where you obviously get the word symbol from, and it's a compound of, of two different things. And I think it's in the German symbol that very much carries this connotation of something partly known, something partly unknown. So he's saying that if something ceases to have that element, this this element of revealed and partially unrevealed, then the, it becomes a mere object. The symbol becomes a mere object unrelated to the subject. And the content which the symbol represents means nothing. So if our image or symbol of God becomes a mere object, that means it becomes nothing, that it has no relationship to us, that it, it, it's just an object for us to, to view and to enjoy, but it has no real relationship to us. Father White rightly points out that faith in God and God can never be just an object because God is not something outside of us, but he's also something within us. He's something that dwells within our souls. So here he says, perhaps the truths and doctrines of faith are not represented are presented as living images or images of our own living, that they have no connection to us. So he goes on to pose the question, do the images respond to our actual psychological needs and with archetypal patterns and processes within them. Psychology helps us understand that the failure of religion can in some sense be the inappropriateness of the holy images that we give to children and even to adults. Here Jung notes that psychological images or the images that were given in childhood can cause can cause a lapse of faith or psychological conflict because images associated with religion presented in our childhood have a remarkable persistence, that what we're presented with as children 
really lasts in our psyches. They stick. And when these images are inadequate, they can cause kind of lasting damage at that really an intellectual apprehension or intellectual correction can't repair. So Father White goes on to give some examples saying that a picture of God or Christ, which is present, presented only or mainly as forbidding this or that, the God who says no to everything, will operate psychologically as purely forbidding. And this God will become a repressive factor in your life, that God is only the God of no and repression. On the other hand, he says a picture which, which expresses only gentleness and sweetness will be hard to integrate into the growing experience of the brute facts of life, that, it, that life presents struggles and challenges and responsibilities that perhaps when we were children, we were given a picture of God that if we just do all the right things, our life will be gentle and sweet. But now we're finding that life is actually very hard. So how does this square with the picture that I was given of God when I was a child? Father White says that the answer out of this conundrum is that the ego must continue to struggle to grow in, as it goes through life. That just as physical growth demands that we outgrow our clothes and those clothes be discarded, such images should also be outgrown and discarded as we grow and mature in our faith and, and in religion. But if images aren't discarded from our childhood. What sometimes happens is the, those images come into conflict with the experience of life again, the factors of life and our experiences. Father White goes on to note that it's only recently that we've kind of started to focus on the specialization of, of needs for children, that children get a special or particularly designed pictures and books and hymns and such for designed just for children. And he says that oftentimes in the psychology of these, these hymns and books and pictures reflect more of the adult's understanding of religion than it does the child's. So these images given to children hardly reflect archetypal experiences, instead projections or insecurities of the adult. Children of earlier ages, you know, children of the medieval times had to do with the same pictures and images that their elders used, but yet it's in the modern era where children are told to be tough in every area except for religion. And it's in religion that they're, they're given softer images of Christ as opposed to presenting Christ as a mysterious power, as, you know, as, a, as a miracle worker, as a supernatural force. And instead of presenting Christ as this mysterious force that may claim a total allegiance of the child, instead it's he's pictured as something too gentle or too sweet again. So instead, children seek to find their archetypal needs, their, their need for kind of hero worship, instead in superheroes and in, he says, space travelers or in athletes. And these figures, of course, are completely unassociated with religion. Of course, there is such thing as giving someone too much too soon or too little too late. Father White notes that even in someone like St. Thomas Aquinas, there was a development of what he calls, you know, pedagogy, of teaching. Then in the Old Testament, the law was enforced by fear, and then you have now the internal law of grace, mercy, and charity in the New Testament. But that's what humanity needed at that in the time of the Old Testament, and it wasn't until the time of the New Testament that a different style of teaching could be presented. So we should recognize that 
a great variety of images are needed because everybody is different. So he says that the incarnate Logos has made himself available in innumerable facets, that he's Lord, he's wisdom, he's truth, he's life, he's healer, he's master, he's shepherd, he's all these different images. And we should use these images to our disposal. And we should make great use of these images, that not all these images are meaningful for every single person, that we should find the images that are meaningful for different individuals and utilize them. There are many sides to the personality of Christ. He can manifest himself in different ways to different people according to their capacity to see him. And he reveals their mysteries to them only by degrees. Again, the Old Testament was a slow manifestation and revealing of mysteries that, be- that came to fruition and came to full completion in the New Testament. One of the great findings of Jung and one of the things that he puts forward is that man is naturally and incurably religious. That though his God may be his belly, hero worship, political parties, scientific method, health or, or wealth, whatever man calls gods or not, whether he's conscious, conscious of it or not, every man is serving or seeking and honoring somebody. So the question becomes, what images are we devoted to? Some say, you know, Father White notes that some say that real religion in man is, is hero worship. So the question is, whom or what do you in your very soul admire and strive to imitate? That's your religion. You know, do you strive to imitate and admire Christ in your soul, or is it wealth? Is it health? Is it, is it power? Is it money? Whatever it is. Or is it the one true God? So in this chapter, Father White was saying that the images of God that we give to our children and to adults and to people may be the, the true reason why they fall away. It's undoubtedly a fact that the Luciferian impulse, as he called it, the desire to not serve is active. And there's some people who turn away from religion out of a choice of the will. That's true. But I think what Father White says about the idea that people have not really fallen away from religion because it was presented to them in truth and in fullness and people rejected that, but rather that people were given a childish image of God that they either never outgrew or was too magical and didn't and conflicted with the again the brute facts of life i think of the many critiques of religion and critiques of god and oftentimes they kind of center around this childish idea this idea of magic that god is a that god is a father or a grandfather in the sky that grants all your wishes and i can't help but to think that that's an image that people were given in their childhood that they just never outgrew So is the modern failure of religion due to the images and the pictures we give to people of God, that God is this magical force that will ensure that your life is okay? Or on the opposite side, is he the repressive force that tells you not to do things? And do people reject religion and God because of those images and not necessarily for the truth that it proclaims or the facts and doctrine that it proclaims? Oftentimes, it seems like people reject the image that they have of God as opposed to the doctrines of God? Do we give people too much of a childish image of God to accept? I think Father White is correct. We need to continually encourage people to outgrow the images that they have of God, that there should be a continuous sense of learning 
of studying theology and philosophy that helps them outgrow these things. That we, not, we should not be so quick to give these softer images of God to people. But that's what I think about today's topic. I would like to hear your thoughts about the topic in the comments below. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. <laughs>